Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Welcome to Mouth Off, a podcast for and about marginalized groups. On today's special feature, I'm welcoming back actor, musician, writer, and comic... David F. Grave. Please give it up for David F. Grave. Come on. The subtlety in which my dad can drop something terrifying into conversation is truly astounding. Okay? I'll give you an example. A few weeks ago, both myself and my dad were standing in the hallway of my flat, staring into my airing cupboard. Yeah. We had very little to say to each other. <laughs> when my dad walked up to it, looked at the big bit of solid material that screwed to the inside of the door, gave it a tap and went. It's probably asbestos. <laughs> so if my life were a film, it would cut to one of those shots where the person stays centre of frame and the background just zooms out. If my face were animated by Terry Gilliam, it could happen, it could happen. My bottom jaw would have just disengaged completely. Ten years I've been living in that flat. Ten years, and all that time I had absolutely no idea. My cupboard was giving me cancer. Just think of all the times that innocently hung my towels up in there to dry. And then got up the following morning, just rubbed my face in <laughs> Really rubbed it in, really got it in there. Not just my towels, every item of clothing and bed sheets in my house has rested against the inside of that door at some point. I may as well have broken into a factory built in the mid-50s, dislodged some lagging from the roof and just rolled myself up in it. <laughs> I didn't know that I owned a closet to death. <laughs> and by sitting with the close proximity to me now, you probably could, she's contracted it now. <laughs> David joined us last October and November for a two-part interview talking about his career, his life, and his mental health struggles. On today's episode, we'll be discussing David's show, Good Grief, which is currently running at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival at Just the Tonic, The Caves. Okay, so hi, David. Welcome back to the Mouth Off podcast. Hello, good to be back. <laughs> So when you came on, I think it was last year, wasn't it? Like in the autumn, oh, it's hard or was to it the year before? No, it might have, been, might have been a year before. The year before, rather than a year before. <laughs> I think it might have been a year before. <laughs> it's all blurred into sure. one now. <laughs> um, it's like one big year, that's all we're doing now. Yeah, yeah one huge shitstorm. <laughs> yeah. But so we, yeah, we talked about a, a plethora of topics, I would say, just because I like saying that word. It's a good, it's a good word. <laughs> it is a good word. Off the top of my head, from what I can rem- remember, we covered imposter syndrome. Yeah. Uh, we talked about a couple of Pauls, um, <laughs> which I think would be a, a good name if Maka and Paul Daniels ever formed a duo. I mean, a couple of Pauls. It's a bit difficult now because one of them's dead, but um, but if they did, yeah, you know, I'm thinking <laughs> in the you know in the in the in the afterlife. Yeah. Not that I'm not wishing that on Macca no. anytime soon, but you know, I think down the uh, yellow brick road in yeah. <laughs> in, a, in a long, long time, I can see that working as a yeah. a musical magical yeah. duo. Th- throwing Paul Young, uh... <laughs> magical mystery. That I don't know. I'm sure there's some magical mystery Paul. In that. Surely, Mag- <laughs> <laughs> we also talked about what well, you obviously and 
your life as a, should we say, a, a Jack of, or a David. Yeah. Of no trades. <laughs> of no <laughs> trades, yes. Or yeah. art-related trades, I suppose. Um, so no trades. No <laughs> trades, definitely, yeah. <laughs> I guess we, we covered some of the more cheery topics as well, such as depression, anxiety, <laughs> Dead or dying fathers, because I can't remember if it was last year or the year before. I think they were probably already dead by that point. I think, I think, <laughs> I think yours, yeah, I think yours had maybe just died. Mine had died a little earlier. So, so you know, something like that. <laughs> something lovely like that. And we also touched upon something that to some people can be even more depressing than that. And that's your, um, the previous runs that you've done at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Which brings me to today's topic, although I'll try not to not to sort of uh, focus upon the Edinburgh of it too much and yeah. try and stay on the cheerier topics of uh, dead dads and all that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Edinburgh Fringe, you're currently uh, running, running? <laughs> you're running yeah. all around the Fringe. <laughs> yes. Yeah, with your show Good Grief. Yeah. Which is being performed at Just the Tonic in the Caves 240. Every That's day, right, is yeah. it? Every day, apart, apart from, from t- today, today and next Monday, which is the 22nd of August, I think. So, yeah, those are my days off. So you've got about two weeks left Yeah, I, I, I have no idea. It's just like, <laughs> essentially, I, I, you know, you roll me out every day and I do it again. And I've got no concept of what the day is. Um, and, yeah, but something like that, I guess. Yeah, done the first week. Um, which well it's longer than a week because it also mm. includes getting up here and getting all your gear together yeah, and so yeah, this course. is literally the first actual day off um yeah. <laughs> which is nice yeah. <laughs> basically but yeah yeah it's... and i mean I already kind of touched upon the content a bit and p- perhaps the the title might be um you know more indicative of of the content of the show as well yeah. so you kind of covering I, I guess stories in relation to your dad, who died three years ago. Was it three or four years yeah, ago? Yeah, May two thousand and nineteen. He died. 19, yeah, yeah. Um, with a little bit of a, a generous uh, <laughs> helping of narcissism <laughs> thrown yeah. in, covering uh, the loss of well, a different kind of loss, but loss of of another parent, uh, loss of your mum. Yeah. Um, but focusing on your on your dad for the minute because I think that it's a fantastic tribute you know that you wanted to do this and that yeah. you've kind of planned to do it and then of course there was the covid of it all and and fundraising yeah. and various things tied up in various things which meant that you didn't get to do it last year as you'd hoped yeah it's kind of it's kind of third time lucky because I was yeah. supposed to be doing 2019 and that was when my dad died a few months before I was due to mm. go um, and I was still going to go but then because of the situation uh, with my mum um, meant that I couldn't. So, you know, the irony being that I was still going to be there in all, that August, that yeah. wasn't going to be about my dad. But um, it was still kind of a tribute because he was so behind what I did um, mm. and I wanted to sort of still do that. And also, in you know, I think at the time, like, um, people around me were a bit worried, like, well, you know, do you really want to do that when, um, you know, you've just lost your dad? And it's like, well, I kind of do, really, for lots of reasons. Um, but, yeah, because of the situation with my mum, I had to pull that one. And then, like you say, uh, COVID year, 2020, I was going to come up with the show Good Grief, um, but couldn't because of that and also because of the ongoing situation with my mum. So, yeah, it's third time lucky. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I love the title. I'm a big Charlie Brown fan anyway, and I always <laughs> yeah. loved the sort of 
not so much cynicism. I, I would never saw him as a cynic, you know, a cynical character. He was, you know, he was someone that struggled with anxiety and mental health issues that still tried yeah. to find the good <laughs> yeah, in yeah. life. And he was still, sometimes people would say foolishly, an optimist through his kind of pessimism and his depression. So I, I love that as his, yeah. you know, catchphrase and, and as a as a concept, as a sort of oxymoron. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it helped that he had like a middle-aged man's hair. I know. <laughs> Just like, he was bald, but in a way that like, like a, yeah, like a guy in his 40s or 50s might be. <laughs> so that probably didn't help. I very nearly made the artwork you know, you, that was my initial thought. You go, do you go yeah. down the Charlie Brown route? Mm. And the guy that I do my PR stuff with was like, well, I think most people just won't get the reference now. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. also just me in a pair of shorts. And I, it didn't, it, it confused <laughs> the thing a little bit too much, I think. <laughs> you would have gone the whole hog, got rid of the beard, yeah. shaved your head, had a little had wisp sort of, of it. <laughs> stripy jumper and yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, no, I decided not to <laughs> for various reasons. Yeah. So we've already talked about uh well i mentioned the kind of wouldn't it be wonderful if uh maka and paul daniels could form a duo let's just say we could get your dad and my dad why not uh, get him yeah. in get him in the room um yeah. just the both of them because i know how you like performing to two or three people <laughs> oh it's just what i prefer, i was what i specialize yeah. in yeah <laughs> yeah what, what do you think he would think of the show oh well um i think I mean, in some ways, he was used to me doing material about him because I did used to do some about him. I recently discovered uh, that apathy and laziness runs in my family. And my dad told me recently that he'd found a suspicious lump. Fully aware, that's a strange thing to bring up in a comedy gig, but we're going to plough that far. Now, thankfully, this lump turned out to just be a hernia, so it's absolutely nothing to worry about. But when I asked him when he first noticed this lump, he said he first spotted it when he was closing the garage door of our house in Wellington Road in Stevenage a house we moved out of in 1983. <laughs> exactly. Suddenly my laziness with my savings account didn't seem so bad. Put this into some level of perspective. He had this hernia for 30 years. This was a Thatcherite hernia. <laughs> it was there on the floor of the Berlin Wall, for Christ's sake. Not, not literally, they're quite benign politically. This, this hernia lived through eight Olympics, eight World Cups and five Prime Ministers. There are people in this country younger than my dad's hernia that have the right to vote. <laughs> to make it worse, 52% of them voted for fucking Brexit. <laughs> the only people who would vote for that are benign lumps of age 73 and over. In fact, I don't, I'm sorry if he did. I'm not sorry if he voted for Brexit. You see the fucking state things in. Literally, if I just hear any of the politicians' names on Breakfast News in the morning... I just go, oh, Michael Gove, oh, Boris Johnson. I've got the fucking twat of a man. Terrible, terrible, terrible man. It's like it was designed and created by Jim Henson's Creature Workshop. Just a fucking idiot. It's terrible, terrible. Anyway, I, I, one time I was doing the rant in Edinburgh, accidentally said that 52% of people voted for breakfast, which I think is much nicer. <laughs> uh, uh, we go for that, we breakfast, lovely. <laughs> Now, um, so eventually we convinced my dad to go and see the doctor. I was sat in with the appointment for him because you fucking have to take him there and make him say things. And when the doctor asked him the length of time he'd had this lump, my dad said, not long. <laughs> 30 years. 30. They could have just invited me over and gone, how old are you, David? I'm 37. You've had it that long, Barry. That's his name and his death in the story. Um, and he was really into the comedy thing. He used to come to um, all of my comedy club gigs until he was ill. Um, well, even when he was ill, he came as well. Um, so on one hand, he was used to me doing stuff about him, but the idea that I would do a show specifically about him, I think would blow his mind a bit. Um, and 
because like the first year I came up here on my own, so I'd done a few uh, with my double act partner, with Glyn, um, but he was very, very proud of that. And I, I know because um, I've got his phone, he took photos of like, there's like the big itinerary out of the venue with um, like my name and the show's name on it. Mm-hmm. So if he knew that there's a big like, you know, A2 image of him <laughs> outside the venue with me, you know, um, that would blow his mind a bit, I think. So, um, so yeah, I, th- I think he would probably find it quite emotional. Um, but then you throw in, because it's sort of half and half about my dad. Uh, well, I mean, it's mostly about my dad, but the second half is more me talking about um, this end of a toxic relationship with my mum. And that is a form of grief as well, because mm. I'm grieving for the parent that she wasn't, yeah. and also grieving for the loss of her any which way. Um, so I suppose some of the subject matter, although I like to think that he's been watching all of this with, you know, (laughs) growing anger, I imagine, or, you know, a mix of things really. Mm. But yeah, it's also like, there's a lot of stuff I never told him that he's in the show about what my childhood was like. Um, so that would be, I don't know how he would take that, but I'd like to hope that, because I do try to come back to the positives Mm -hmm. and the thing about my dad and my relationship with him, which was ultimately a positive one. So I think... Yeah, lots of things. But um, I, yeah, the, the main thing I think is it would kind of blow his mind that I'm here for him, you know, more directly, I guess. You can never know what it's like. Your blood like when a freezer just like ice. And there's a cold and lonely light. Shines from you, you wind up like the wreck you hide behind that mask you use. And did you think this fool could never win? Well, look at me, I'm coming back again. I got a taste of love in a simple way. And if you need to know while I'm still standing, you just fade away. Don't you know I'm still standing better than I ever did? Maybe what some people would call inappropriate humor, but I like to find. The, you know, the humour, the light moments amongst all yeah. that sort of grief and, you know, because any type of grief and, you know, the, you know the, the type of experience with your mum, but also particularly with death, mm. it can be a really bitter, a, a bitter pill to swallow. Mm. And yeah. because not just the missing them, it's the what I didn't get to say to them, what, you know, did they know that I was proud of this? Did they know that I loved this mm. about, you know, this, so, there's all that kind of what if stuff that you beat yourself yeah. up about or the the kind of, you know, stages of grief questions. Uh, oh, if yeah. we had done this, could this have been stopped and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I've gone yeah. through that process. I try now to focus on, you know, the, the sweeter memories. So that kind of bitter bitter part of it or the sour if you want to call the sour and the sweet the sweetness and the memories override that it's a nice balance so you know and it is a (laughs) it is an oxymoron and like you I I try to sort of let it inspire art might be a strong word but um, I've recently got a lot more into writing so I've written my family memoirs which I which I finished last Christmas which more focusing on my dad's side of the family. And it's such a sort of yeah. cathartic experience. And, and it mostly made me laugh or cry with sort of happy, fond memories, which was lovely. Yeah. So that is the definition of good grief to me. 
Yeah, I think so. I'm wondering what is good grief for you? What is the kind of good flip of that coin? Or how do you find comfort in, in what's happened? That, I mean, there's there's a quote, which I think is a nice one, and it's from a, a, a random source. It's from the Marvel series WandaVision. Um, and there's a line in that where one of the characters says, what is grief if not love persevering? Mm. Um, and part of the thing with grief is, is you're having a, you're still having a relationship with that person, but they are not interacting in the same way. It's a, it's a change in how the dynamic works. Um, and if you love someone, that comes with all manner of feelings and, and they're, they're you know it, so even like there's this weird thing when I'm doing this show because every day I'm focusing on the loss of my dad and every day I'm focusing on the loss of my mum as well and in the last few months in the lead up to it I've been doing that as well so it's a lot of time spent in that mind space but I didn't want it to become like um, normalised mm. um, and obviously there's a slight aspect of that because you're doing a show um, but at the same time, I am still sort of letting it in every day. Mm. Um, and I think good grief uh, is to be, to allow yourself to still be, feel the moment of hurt. You know, as I'm talking now, my heart is mm. like, ah, in that sort of pain space. Yeah. But that's because you love that person. And it wouldn't be easy to lose someone that you care about. Um, and... So I think for me, it's to allow that in to to find it funny as well to like, because my dad was a very frustrating person and I'm sure he'd say the same about me, but he really, really was. <laughs> and there's that weird thing of like, as I talk about that, cause I talk a lot about that in the show and you worry, am I just, do I sound, I don't know, like I don't care. Yeah. Um, but it's like, you know, the people you care about, they will always be frustrating. We're all human and we mm. have that sort of um, mix of things. Um, but I, if I was to, like, canonise him, I wouldn't be showing a realistic even a grief of what he was yeah. because he was not that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. he could, as I say in the show, he could be an utter pain in the arse. And I, I say about, like... Because there was a situation where my dad nearly died twice um, and the second time was a year before he actually died and that was when he had a, a brain bleed um and I was told he was going to die that day that was you know the day escalated to that point and I talk about this a bit in the show where I say in that situation so he's in the room and he's in the bed uh and he's breathing is labored but he's unconscious and I'm there and I'm in this point that I know will stay with me forever but I'm still in it and it's not over yet um and that's a very difficult obviously situation to be in not least because the day had escalated as it had. And I knew he was going to, you know, I already knew he was going to die soon. You know, he had, he had cancer that was un incurable. Um, but I did not expect this thing to come. And in that moment, he was absolved um, of all of the frustration. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> you just go, I just want you to stay. It's just, I, I'm the one saying, um, you know, I'm sorry for the times I didn't make the effort or whatever. Um, and a line my mum would say to me, conversely, often is, "Well, you'll, you know, you'll, um, you'll regret this when I'm gone." Uh, and it's like, my dad would never say that to me. That's not mm. care. You know what I mean? Yeah, I will regret the thing, the mistakes I make. That's, but you don't need to use it to mm. hurt me mm. now. You know, and not even in an argument. More in like that would come up a lot. <laughs> but yeah, but with my dad, yeah, I, I, obviously I was like that. 
Um, but then this miraculous thing came about. He was given mm. a certain drug and he had a whole extra year. Mm. And uh, he very quickly became a pain in the ass. Again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, but that is because you care about it. That's all part of the quirks that were him. Mm. So, um, you know, but I like to think if he's looking at me now and he knows now what I went through as well, this whole toxic thing with my mum, I don't know, he would feel, um, I don't know, I'd like to hope he wouldn't judge me for, it's very difficult, isn't it? I Mm. I don't know. But yeah, the the point being that um, I think grief is a mixture of everything. It's it's allowing that person to still be who they were Mm -hmm. and take into account that that could be frustrating and feeling the, the loss you feel of that, mm. you know. Because my dad has a lot of form. My favourite example of unfiltered Barry F. Grave. This happened uh, when we were on a walking holiday. I was some work colleagues of the Lake District. I was about 14. Uh, one day we stopped at the vision chip shop. I had myself a portion of chips, took a bottle of ketchup, gave it a shake. Nothing happened. Gave it another shake, another Michael Parkinson story here. <laughs> Final shake, just covered the, all in the plate, but loads of ketchup there. I, I looked at the counter and said to my dad, I'm just going to pop over there, get some cutlery. He looked me in the eye and went, can't even wipe your own eye. <laughs> I was like, what you heard? That, that is now a running joke amongst my friendship group. Every you'd be walking past someone and go, can't even remember now. What you heard? And in the same way that you can feel that for a friendship with someone you haven't seen for years and years or spoken to, you know, you can feel that sense of I miss mm. what we used to do, mm-hmm. um, and that's grief too. But obviously, when you lose someone. The conversation is over. Well, not the conversation is over, but they take a less active part in in your relationship. Uh, But then do they? I don't know. Because you still, and Mm -hmm. I'm sure you're the same, you know, have all those conversations with that person. Yeah. You know, I I guess in focusing on this show, I've been even more focused on my relationship with my dad. Mm. But then I was anyway, and also because of the thing that was going on with my mum. It's been a, a horrific three years mm-hmm. from the moment he died to then then losing my mum as well. Um, but do you know what? The stuff about my dad, um, you know, I, I just, you know, simple. I miss him. Mm. I miss him. And that still hits me as it does everyone like you, I'm sure, with your dad. Every day at some point, mm. there'll be a moment, you know. Um, but as time goes on, you get more used to. Um, it's not all. It's initially, it's all the pain, isn't it? Mm. Really. Um, but then also, it's the confusion of like you're just still in this administrative thing because you're, you know, you've just lost your dad or whatever, and then you're doing the admin yeah. <laughs> that goes with losing someone. You know, like the the estate. And I mean, mine was made all the more crazy by the fact my mum was who she was. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's all of that too so you don't get time to really go how do I feel about this and you're analyzing am I am I grieving enough Mm. do I care enough Mm. you know um and that's just all bollocks because you just you know you're you're not going to disrespect someone you love they they, you know what I mean it's just but yeah you've got all that and then I suppose for both of us now because was it what year did your dad die was it 2020 yeah so yeah um a year later or whatever Mm. but you at this point for both of us I suppose you're a few years in so like for me I tell you there was the moment I was very aware of obviously when the first anniversary comes around of the loss of of my dad and I I know what you mean about hating the word loss but I'd rather say that than passed away oh yeah I hate that even more yeah it's also and again I talk about this in the show so many euphemisms it's also euphemistic we are Mm. about death that we don't actually we make it 
worse yeah. i think somehow we you know by not addressing this thing this elephant in the room that's going to happen to all of us you know and you spend your lifetime avoiding it but yeah that first revolve around the sun you know mm. and you go with my dad not being here was you know difficult and then you get the second one mm. and then you start to get to the point so now it's three years ago since my dad died I mean, it's it's hard to say how whether I've made whether it's more normal now. Mm. I don't know. It is. It's hard for me to tell because I've been focusing on it so intensely. Yeah. But it, but it will never be normal. It would just be different. Mm. Um, and you you get. I suppose with grief, you get more used to it. But you also don't because, like you know, there'll be something small. There'll be something very small. And like for me in my show, there's a moment where because there's a um, it's a very long answer. I give very long answers <laughs> to, to short questions. Um, but when at my dad's funeral, um, there was a woman there because my dad was an amateur artist. And he was a really good artist, and, and she came up to me, and she was a member of my dad's art club. And she stopped me and said, "Can I speak for a bit?" And she said, "I've got this drawing of your dad. Do you want to see it?" And I was like, you know, I, "I joke in the show. What if I just went, no, fuck off? Yeah. <laughs> Who would ever say that?" But I was like, "Yeah, well, of course." And so I'm outside the church, and I open this folder, and there's two pictures. One of me. Um, age this was like I don't know early 90s early to mid 90s yeah as in not my age the year (laughs) Um, and there's a picture of my dad and a picture of me and so suddenly I'm confronted with this drawing of my dad that I didn't know existed that's been sitting in a you know a folder somewhere for all this time and you're like oh it's you in the heart because it's your dad and it's such a good representation of him Um, but and in the show, I use that and I show it and I do a thing where I... Because I say the idea that occurred to me. As time passed on, I went, well, actually, this helps me because it tells me my dad can be anywhere yeah. because it's a line drawing. And so this person, someone with enough talent, can draw a series of lines and my dad is there. Mm. So it told me my dad can be anywhere. And as I say that in the show, I, I got someone to, to animate the drawing of it. Mm. And... Certain days, I mean, in the show, I allow myself to feel it mm-hmm. because I, I, I think it's important when also when being glib and trying to be funny or whatever and being a bit disrespectful about death sometimes and a bit disrespectful about my dad and my mum or whatever it might be and myself. Um, but then also allowing the fact to go, but yeah, but this is a human relationship, you know, and um, it's OK. But having that moment of feeling it and because prior to that, I talk about the moment I lost him Um that word again mm-hmm. um and i allow myself to feel it but yeah certain days when i'm when i'm before i go to the venue and i'm doing a quick check of my slideshow on my computer that it works and i do a warm-up and stuff and because there's a song i sing and it follows that image i will see the image draw again just to make sure it works and some days i can't really look at it mm. at that point you know or there's a bit about my mum involving a, a photo that's censored from her wedding as well um in that i blurred her out um, but again, certain days, particularly in this fringe thing where it's such a slog and it, mm. it's like, you know, if you can make it, I don't know, personify what you are, you go, well, no one cares about me because they don't come to this show or whatever. Rather than go, there are thousands of shows here. Why would they? <laughs> um, but you could let this all be a really negative reinforcement of all the worst things you think of yourself. So certain days I go, I can't really look at this right now because it's too much. Um but I'll just save it for the show and then I'll try and leave that there at that mm. venue and go. But yeah, so it's it's an, it's always, it's ever-changing, your, your feeling of not having that person. Um, in the same way that it was ever-changing when they were here as well. You know, sometimes you really got on with your, you know, your parent or whatever. Sometimes they were really frustrating or you'd had an argument mm. or whatever. That's, so it's a, 
it's a, it's yeah, it's an ever changing thing, I guess. I've got too much on my plate. Don't have no time to be a decent lover. I hope it isn't too late. Searching for the time that has gone so fast. The time that I thought would last. My ever present past. I've got too much on my mind. I think of everything to be discovered. I hope there's something to find. Searching through the time that has gone so fast. The time that I thought would last. My ever present past. There's certain things you know will get you every time, whether it be a, a song that you hear or, like you say, the moment that that drawing comes up and you check back and <laughs> the times yeah, yeah. you can't look. But um, there's also the times you really don't see coming that mm. something funny that might make you go, oh, my dad would laugh his head off at that. And then you have a memory of something similar where he has laughed his head off at something like that. And yeah. then you just start crying. You know, it happened to me in the car yeah, the yeah. other week where, you know, it sounds very silly, but my dad always used to refer to the smell of, of poo as the smell of caca. And uh, <laughs> my son was in the yeah. in the car saying, um, I said, have you got chocolate all over your face or is that poop? He said, no, it's caca. Right. And, and I just laughed my head off and said, turned to say to my wife, Oh, my father would have found that hilarious. And then I just bawled, yeah. you know, but trying to hide it from the kids. So they, you know, because yeah, yeah. <laughs> as much as you want to normalize grief, you also don't want them to see, you know, their parents crumble because they need to feel that should they crumble, that we'll, you know, yeah. be there for them and kind of protect them from that. So I'm trying to sort of yeah. under my sunglasses, just streaming, you know, and you think, OK, I wasn't expecting that or. Yeah, yeah. Hitting my, not that I hammer things often, but occasionally if I'm doing DIY, my dad was a carpenter. If I'm sort of hammering and I hit my nail, my fingernail, not the nail I'm supposed to be hitting in. And I just picture <laughs> yeah. my father laughing at me because that's the sort of thing he would have mm. done in a situation like that. as just taking the mick. Yeah, yeah. And again, I'm not crying because I'm in pain. I'm just crying of the fact that he's not actually there laughing. But then yes. I catch myself going oh, but he was. That's why you did it. He probably is there yeah. <laughs> haunting yeah, yeah. you, nudging the hammer so that you hit it wrong. That's just the sort of thing he would do as well. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So uh, I said I wouldn't dwell on Edinburgh too much, but uh, we are sort of here. <laughs> um, mainly I wanted you on to talk about your show. Um, yeah. So I, I caught your last show. It would have been the last one that you took there, not the one that you, you, yeah. you were... Um, planning that got pulled in the end um so yeah. david f grave my part in his downfall um yeah. not to be confused with the 
Adolf Hitler, my part in his downfall. <laughs> Which, uh, <laughs> Although we are very sim- we're very similar personalities. Very similar. And uh, <laughs> yeah. I notice when you type your name into Google Images, that still does come up there. Which... <laughs> oh, that's good to know. I like to be associated with a huge evil dictator. Um, I, mean, I already am because there's my mum, but you just throw in another one. <laughs> so that's my dad's sort of story there. Um, I recently went over to visit him, see how he was doing. Uh, and he lives in a village the other side of Nebworth from me. And we all know where I live, obviously. Um, and I don't drive, so it took me, I got a train journey, bus, and then a walk there. When I eventually arrived, he was standing at the far end of the street, chatting to one of his friends, looking very well, it was good to see. And as he caught my eye from a distance, he shouted a greeting. Do you know what we said as he saw me? Not, not hi Dave, or how you doing, good to see you. No, it was, you've put on weight. <laughs> not even hello. I've, bear in mind, it took two forms of public transport to arrive at that insult. Thank you. And, and who cares? You know, it's something that general etiquette would dictate you don't point out, at least all across the street while standing with someone I've never met before. With my dad, I tell you, he hits straight for the nub of the matter. You do not pass go, do not collect £200. Insult, bam, gone. I decided the best route to take with this is to see if he uh, takes what he can give. Uh, next time I see him, I'll be like, God, Dad, you're looking really old, aren't you? Sand's really slipping down the hourglass for you, isn't it? <laughs> Burial or cremation? What would you mean? No. Too far? When I, um, well, I told my mum about this, she was quite blasé about it. She said, well, you know what your dad's like. I said, like, yeah, I know, I know I do. And he said, but anyway, she, he probably only said it because you're normally so slim. <laughs> you just said the same thing. You just repurposed the same insult. So that, that show, which I really enjoyed... You know, enjoyed again, it gives the sort of wrong impression. There were heavy parts of it. I mean, you were sort of, you know, really put in the spotlight, not just personal issues, but issues that not many people... I mean, it's getting more common for celebrities to talk about mental health issues, you know, suicide, that kind of thing. Mm. But it's not done in as I think it should be, in a way that would be more helpful. It might be hinted at in a plot line of a soap opera or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, we're getting better as a society of talking about these things. But you wouldn't expect to go to Edinburgh Fringe and see a comedy show necessarily dealing with that topic, I suppose is what I mean. Yeah, And yeah. I also like the fact that, you know, you you used music throughout that, that wasn't it wasn't funny music it wasn't comedic you weren't being glib within the mm. things you were singing about it was there to juxtapose with the sort of the the funny content the humor that you were finding yeah. in something like you know the stevenage mental health uh, <laughs> kind of department and all <laughs> yeah. that sort of stuff which i call the world the world's bleakest address yeah. <laughs> stevenage mental health unit that's right christ <laughs> you know and it I thought the inclusion of the music was a really nice touch. So won't you please help me now? I'm thinking, won't you bring me round? Please ease my mind, it's breaking now. And my world is falling Forward I take ten in reverse The smile I'm wearing does reach my eyes But if I ever them you once 
good to feel to laugh and then find yourself kind of drawn into the more serious moments and I just wondered I don't think it doesn't come across that you're doing this by design you know oh wouldn't it be good if my next show is about you know as my dad was dying I was like "Mm." yes (laughs) I'm gonna make a show out of this (laughs) but you know it must be uh, I'm guessing just from doing similar you know like through my writing and things it's obviously therapeutic. There's therapeutic parts of it for you, or you wouldn't keep putting yourself through it time and time again. There's, yeah. It's probably sometimes you think, why do I? Why am I putting myself through oh, this? There's a, lot, a lot of times I think that, particularly at the moment, but yeah. <laughs> but I think, yeah, it's really important. And I think, you know, more comedians, public figures, you know, artists. It's more common, you know, in, in visual art for you to see something that confronts or provokes something in you, not necessarily yeah. expecting it from a comedy show. Um, yeah. Do you think that this is a path that you will continue on? If it feels like an organic thing to do, I'm not saying sit there and think, yeah. right, what bad has happened now? I'm going to do a COVID show next, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think like there's sort of a mix of things going on. I think for your own sake of mental health, if I was to do another stand-up show soon, I mean, the one I was going to do when my dad died was called Niche and it was about me being niche, all the things I was interested in being niche and would have been more throwaway. And and that can be fun to do as a bit of a break because the sort of stuff I used to do with Glyn, Doggett and Fgrave, is very that sort of stuff. And it's a thing that I know sort of quite instinctively I can sort of find a picture of something misworded make a joke out of it it's quite easy so that's nice to do as a bit of a break but then at the same time and then we've talked about this before in like songwriting the difference between like sort of contriving something and something having some sort of um not significance but feeling a bit more natural um they're very different things and yeah this sort of came about naturally um as a, a thing to talk about um so, yeah, I, I can't really see myself going another route, really. Um, it might just be different forms. It might not be stand-up or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's a, there's a weird thing with Edinburgh. And, and there was a really good show that was up here. Uh, first time I came up, um, a comedian called Quincy. Uh, and it was, I think it was called Sing, Single Mum. I can't remember. But he'd lost his wife. Uh, he's got, he had a very small child and she died. Mm. Uh, the, the mother died. Um, only a few years into having the child and it was a really good really moving but funny show and the bit I was sort of remember is the moment when he said that she died then there was a a blackout and then it came back up again and then he carried on and was more sort of you know 
relieving the sort of palate, I suppose, and being funny again. But it got not very good reviews, um, and purely because that's Edinburgh, but also like this idea of like, well, it's not a comedy, blah, 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 blah. But you d- only in Edinburgh do you go, well, there's co- comedy in Edinburgh is a very specific, mm. like, uh, you know, pocket, and it's like, it's a stand-up, probably a male stand-up or whatever, doing this thing. But if you... You can have a comedy and have it moving if you don't just you don't have to sort of mark yeah. it as being a thing. In only in a place like Edinburgh do you have to like separate these things into different genres. And you know, and it's so. And in fact, the same thing with that with my downfall show. The one review I got um, said something along the lines of you know because of the subject matter and the songs or whatever. You know, maybe it's not. Um, you know, maybe you'd be a good singer songwriter, but this is not comedy or whatever and it's like I well I, I didn't agree mm. um but the point is you don't write a song and go this has to be a ballad or it has to be a comedy thing you just let it be what it is and so I think outside of an environment like Edinburgh a show like the really good one that I saw the Quincy one you'd laugh and you might cry mm. you primarily laugh but you feel like you've had a connection with that person and that for me is more important than just sort of trying to tick some box of being a certain type of stand-up or whatever mm. it might be because it's just not satisfying. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I here it's a different game. In Edinburgh, it's a different game and you'll get different reviews or comments based on what you, you know, that are not relative to what it actually is as a yeah. thing. And so, yeah, I think I would continue the route that I've taken if I'm writing something like this where I'm more honest because I think that is a more interesting thing for me as well but for an audience and you know um yeah so I might not always go I might turn to something different now because I've spent a lot of time uh for various reasons in the loss of my dad and the loss of my mum in these last few years that I could do with a break from that I don't need to make it my creative goal as well to you know um although I do want to sort of raise awareness of the narcissistic thing yeah definitely such such a damaging thing I mean what's been really good is everyone's understood it so far that I've spoken to as an audience and I've had lots of like when I say do you know what it is people nod and understand it so yeah because if I'd known how um inappropriate the relationship was I might have been able to change things for myself earlier but yeah so I think it's worth raising that and in the same way it's worth raising the idea of grief as well because it's something that will affect all of us and mm. does affect all of us um, and there's nothing wrong with talking about that and having a laugh about that mm. while also it doesn't devalue it you know and I think it's important to I do like there's a thing you asked um, before about like um, I think or like about whether it's respectful about grief or disrespectful about the person but if it was me and I died um, I wouldn't want people to treat me differently in their memory of me and be like, oh, oh, well, we must be, you know, serious and solemn because that's not who I am. Oh, no, it's not the whole of me. And so I would want people to still be able to laugh about things Mm. or laugh about the things that are frustrating about me or whatever it is, because that's truer to it still being me. Um, And that's the best way you can maintain the relationship you have with someone is to not change. I mean, there is a change when you lose someone, but to not like, make you go oh well no we must behave differently because like you said about you know your dad would be laughing at you hitting your nail um that's 
the relationship continuing. That's remembering who he was and who you were and who your relationship mm. was. You're going to have moments where it's all serious and, you know, formal. But it's so much nicer when you can maintain that, you know. And it's the same for me because I'm living in the house that my dad grew up in and, and lived for a long time um, when he was about with my mum. And, yeah, I'm, I'll be doing, like, uh, gardening and I'll think, my dad did this here. Mm. My grandfather did this here. I'm continuing that chain. Or like when I can't find something or, you know, like some sort of tool or something, I imagine my dad's there going, look, fucking over there, David, you idiot, mm. you know, whatever. Mm. So, um, and you, yeah, you're almost like, could you tell me, dad, if you could tell me where it is? Um, <laughs> but yeah. It's I bit, do that you know, you... all the time. <laughs> He's got this um, this tool shed right. at my mum's house that he made. And it's one of those kind of chaotic environments, but you know that right. he would know where every single thing is. Yeah, yeah. Are you trying to figure out his bizarre <laughs> system? So many broken yes, tools exactly. that were obviously kept for a reason. Something <laughs> in that would fix something in that. Yeah. And I often go in if I'm doing sort of odd jobs for my mum, yeah. and I'll just say, I'll look around and say, like, where is the, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. And uh, something bizarre will happen, something that feels like some sort of sign, you know, which is nice. Yes. Because if he was going to linger anywhere, it would definitely be in that tool shed, you know, (laughs) and and that's that's just a really nice thought that there's a, you know, something, an essence, whether it be, I I don't know what your thoughts are on afterlife or any of that kind of thing but I just think there's an essence of of people and and their being and their energy that sort of lingers I think so yeah and also that a bit of that is where they linger in you so um in the same way that there's of course I've got to relate it to the Beatles but um (laughs) you know the stories about when they made free as a bird um you know after you know all those years after the the split and stuff and the way that they came to terms Paul particularly with what they were doing was because there's suddenly his voice there again and they're like Mm -hmm. making this record and rather than make it all like we must respect this they were saying well we'll imagine it like you know he's he's got to go and do something today so he said just finish it off for me I'm off Mm -hmm. doing the thing you know and because that would happen all the time and that was how they got over that thing Mm. um and you know in the same way that you might not see someone for a long while but you still have the relationship with them and you you know you still have those memories about them but also they're just somewhere else at that moment Mm. you know Mm. um and that's that's how it continues and by having that essence of yeah where what your dad would be doing and where he is whether you believe that he's genuinely there or not um Mm. and i you know i i I all over the place with that um but Hmm. i generally feel that he is there um but it's a combination of things you know
Same thing. My dad and my grandfather have this workshop, which is just full of all manner of like hmm. ridiculously ancient things, like a small scythe. <laughs> and he had so many. Like my wife jokes about, it, he had so many things for killing things. He's got like all of these like you know weed killers. Everything's about we must kill everything. But and like loads of like power tools that you know, and and that you go exactly. He would know of a lot of them. I've had to well not the tools. A lot of them I got rid of because you go well. I he would know say that it had a dodgy thing that might cut your hand off. Um, but I don't know it because I don't know the thing. And it's, you, yeah, you, it's like, if I could have had like an administrative conversation with my dad about where is everything? What does this yeah. tool do? <laughs> it would make life easier. But yeah, all the time I'm like, yeah, exactly that, you know. And, and yeah, my dad, and I'm sort of picking up with yours as well. My dad was a very sort of practical, he was a dad. He was like what a proper dad is, you know, which feels mm-hmm. like the antithesis of me. He was handy, you know, he mm-hmm. knew what to do. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so like, he would be like like you say with yours yeah very much in that world because that was what he, that was how he expressed even like love to me i think is mm. is often like well i'll i'll fix your boiler mm. <laughs> uh, you know I'll, I'll sort out your wiring because he was also an electrician you know and he was always trying to get me to sort stuff out of my flat um because that was the way that he could express and show what he could do and yeah. you know and so we did do all the other stuff as well and particularly as he got more ill but yeah, that was my dad. That's what he would do. That's how I, well, I can do this. I can show that I care. So yeah, I'm. I'm yeah, he would be <laughs> haunting the um, tool, the tool cupboard, and yeah, definitely, and all, all the killing, you know, things like kill the kill the slugs with that, David. Sort it out. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. Did I ever tell you about the time? I must have because I was in Hertfordshire Theatre School with you at that point. Well, not in yeah. the school at that time, but it was while I was living in in Hitchin. And I'd gone to see a friend of mine in London for the weekend. And I'd taken, I used to, not my three-wheeled car. (laughs) The car after that, I don't know if you remember it, it looked like a square box, a red (laughs) shed of a thing that was parked (laughs) out in the back of the school car park for about two years, filling up with water because it had just stopped working (laughs) and I didn't get it insured. Uh, But uh, when it was still working, I took it to London and the clutch cable snapped on the North Circular. Which is a good place for anything like that to happen. I remember just some Mm. random saying, oh, I'm going to help you push that, me and um, Mm. my very camp (laughs) gay friend, Mikey, who's just not at all knowledgeable about cars. We were both there trying (laughs) to push this car. This guy Mm. helped because he was like, you know, lots of people die on this road. Um, I I couldn't drive past in all good conscience. We pushed it to the side. Right. I probably went to a phone box back in those days, rang my dad. Yeah. <laughs> Three hours later, <laughs> he's driven to London. Right, yeah. Um, to, yeah, Woodford Green in London, which is uh, the flat I was staying at. Hmm. I said, right, where's this car then? <laughs> and right, um, yeah, yeah. towed it back to the flat, fixed the clutch cable and drove home. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, definitely... Uh, can kind of relate to that you know showing your love through just being practical and and, and doing yeah. the like you say dad's type things <laughs> i think particularly because it's that generation isn't it where that you know we've got a lot more used to 
feelings, I guess. Mm. And men and men as well, particularly. Obviously, there's the whole thing about men not dealing very well with, um, well, when there's toxic masculinity, but also just mm. like, you, you know, um, not being told that it's okay to, mm. to struggle or whatever it might be. So, yeah, the, the dads of that generation they've learned from their dads or whatever this sort of yeah it's the practical it's the you know mm. um so they 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 had to come to terms with it you know they had all of the obviously the massive things they were thinking and feeling about us and about other people but like the sort of not being able to express it or not allowed to express it and and but yet they were practically minded and that's their way of because they care about you they want to help you you know get through your day easier but that's mm. just but they came from a slightly more practical, <laughs> you know, mindset. Whereas I think a lot about our generation and maybe younger, it's like no one's ever done this before. <laughs> you know, like even like yeah. approach to like kids and families all like it's like it's, in, you know, the, the generations before us were a lot more. You know, they didn't post their stuff all over social media. Mm. You know, they, they yeah. got on with it in a different way. And it's not necessarily a good way. But, yeah, it results, I think, in like that sort of dad mentality, which makes me feel <laughs> like. I, you know, I'm inept because, I, you know, there are certain things I can do, but I can't do, you know, what you might. There's a really good song, uh, Handyman Blues by Billy Bragg, which is about, yeah. it's worth listening to. Um, but he's about, you know, I can't, whatever it is, fix that. But I can uh, write a song to show how much I love you instead. And that's, you know, yeah, that's, yeah. I'm not a handyman, you know, but <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a really good song. exactly that thing of you know i'd like to be <laughs> more practical you know but yeah that's what they did you know and that yeah and you got to celebrate that really and like driving all that way driving all that way to london to do that yeah. i mean of course he would but it's that's just brilliant and it's so lovely um but yeah he wouldn't i'm sure wouldn't hesitate it's like well that's what i do you know <laughs> yeah but yeah Whereas my mum would expect to be carried in a sedan chair there. <laughs> but yeah, that's another story. <laughs> I've, I've only been to Edinburgh once and that was as a punter. Uh, that's when I saw your right. show, your, uh, my, my part in his downfall. And I mean, it was a little bit of a different experience for me as I went with kids. So the yeah. majority of the kind of, you know, you pick up that little programme and you kind of crawl your way through it and... And, yeah, yeah. you know, it can be a minefield just thinking, what do I see? And what am I going to miss? And I, I don't want to yes. miss anything. And there's so much. And it's yeah, all yeah. kind of sprinkled over the city, which is lovely because you get to see it all. Um, you know, we spent a lot of time in the, the, I can't remember the name of it now, but it's got like a big circus marquee. 
Um, oh, was it the Spiegel tent or um, or maybe the underbelly? Um, the underbelly, that was it, yeah. yeah, the underbelly. And, um, you know, it caught some street performances as well. Um, you know, a few other kids' shows that were lovely, you know, puppetry mm. and, and lovely visuals. But, you know, you know you're going to get bums in seats, just the bit, mm. the size of the venues, you know, they're feeling pretty yeah. confident you do a family show, you're going to, you know, even yeah, if you yeah. do it at 11 o'clock in the morning, you're going to get mm. a full house. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, interestingly that your one of the shows you were going to do was called Niche because it, it is a little bit more niche. I mean, comedy anyway, mm. not like my wife, for instance, wouldn't go to a comedy night. I mean, she has with me just because I'd kind of said, oh, come on, let's check it out. And she's enjoyed it, but it wouldn't necessarily be the first thing she would want to do if, you know, like when we went to Edinburgh, I let her go off one day to watch something and I took the kids and then she she let me come and see your show. Um, (laughs) We did consider bringing the kids. My daughter was Hmm. 13 at the time. My son was two I had visions of him crying in the heat of the room. <laughs> and yeah. um, I do that quite often. <laughs> and you just be heckling him then the whole time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, I think um, I think there were about four in, maybe five the day I came, mm. including myself. But it didn't feel, you know, if it was a show that's played for big laughs about, I don't know, I'm trying to think of dodgy comedians that make provocative jokes that are verging on offensive. Um, uh, oh, Jim Davison. Oh, go with him? yeah, Jim Davison. <laughs> the old classic, yeah. You know, there's certain acts that you might think if they if they play to a venue and there's hardly anyone in there, it's going to feel very kind of egg on your face, you hear yeah, a pin yeah. drop, you need mm. the laughs. I didn't feel that it... I don't know, I mean, I wasn't performing, but it didn't seem negatively impacted by the fact that there were small numbers. And I know from no. sort of seeing your blog posts that, you know, it's the same old thing, the time of day, the venue, the fact yeah. that you might be kind of almost the rival shows going on nearby have a, yeah. a bigger bill of, you know, there's a mixed act on, you know, mixed yeah, um, yeah. artists on. Um, sometimes it's just the luck of the draw, isn't it? But yeah. How has it impacted you, and and is it nicer in a way for the for the material when it is more intimate? Do you yeah, think? I think because I've had this previously, like and with like the downfall show that you know the the few times when you have like quite a busy one, you're like, well, this is going to be a good one, and mm-hmm. it often isn't because mm-hmm. in a weird way, um, the bigger the audience, the more easy it is to not connect with them because mm. you start to see them as a mass as a whole. Um, and you, you know, you can sort of almost zone out of it. Whereas when mm. you have to talk, providing that it's a small audience, providing they're comfortable. And if it's like, um, uh, I don't know, I, I normally ask them, I normally say to them, you know, if there's like four or whatever, just say, just, are you happy with doing this? I'm happy if you are, I won't be picking on you. Um, <laughs> you know, but also it's absolutely fine if you don't want to do it. Cause it can be a bit like a hostage scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, and yeah, so, so, and so yeah no it doesn't it doesn't impact the material at all um if anything it sometimes helps it reminds you i've got to connect with these people i've got Mm. that's my goal here for this hour is to connect and keep them entertained and keep them hopefully laughing enough 
um but i can't zone out i you know there's nowhere to hide here um so and yeah so no it doesn't i mean obviously it does affect the the more frustrating things you go you might have a really good show but people won't see it um you know in, not even like in inverted commas important people it's the fact that because it costs so much to do this yeah. you know i was hoping because of the time i was on was a bit later because i've been on like midday or something the last few years i've been here um which is not bad for a, a, a gentler show that isn't like you say brash like playing to people mm-hmm. who are drunk or whatever um so a little bit later you go um and i, I previously like i would finish my show with like four people and the one in after me they'd all come you know filing in and you're like fucking hell um but so you go oh a bit later there might be a few more people about and yeah for lots of reasons like the thing you mentioned there's a a mixed bill show in the same venue so it'd be four or five acts in the big room there that starts about the same time as me so if you just arrived you go well I could pay for that or I could see these four people and maybe I've heard of two of them so it makes sense it's value for money you go for that one um so yeah there's that sense of like um but the thing is, so I, I hoped I'd sell more tickets, so therefore I'd cover the cost more. And it's not going to mm-hmm. cover the remaining costs that I have. Um, I mean, you never, ever, <laughs> ever cover the costs, really. But within my little compartmentalized figures for different things, I go, well, if I can cover a bit of that, it's all right. So that sort of it impacts the. You go, well, why am I doing this? Because financially, it's costing me an absolute fortune. And it's not really, not, not enough people are seeing it for it to. I don't know, um, have whatever, you know what I mean? Just to sort of, um, to justify that cost, you know, because you go, well, I could do this elsewhere without the fact that, you know, the fringe is such a monetized thing. Um, and sit, maybe more people would see it or the same amount of people would see it, but it wouldn't cost me so much. Um, so it impacts it in that sense. Um, but then... You know, I've thought all these things while I've been here and, the, you know, the same thing you go through, even though you've, you know, you've in your mind, you've prepared yourself for this is a hard thing to do because it is a mm. hard thing to do because of the nature of the amount of shows you do, the amount of other shows that are around you, if you do it on your own and if you don't have like a big producer or anything like some of the ones that, you know, have that. If there's a flyer somewhere, I put it there. <laughs> if it's got something stapled to it, I did that. And then, as happened this time, broke a stapler and bought another one, you know. Um, so, and with me is the setup and pack down because I have all this gear as well because I have a projector and screen. This year, I'm not doing using a guitar, but I have 20 minutes to get in while the other show is getting out, set up all this audiovisual stuff. Sometimes when there's no one booked... And then go, oh, there's still no one. I've got to pack it all down again. Or, you know, so everything is... And also because it's got more expensive, I'm about half an hour away from my venue this time, whereas previously mm-hmm. I've been like a few minutes away. So it's just this really physical, psychological, like, you know, and when you haven't sold many, you think it's a reflection of me. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, And if you also throw in, you're talking about difficult subjects, it's like yeah. all of this stuff going on. But, you know, you just have to... And, and as I was doing that, I was thinking that, I then went... Come on, David. The first time you came up here was 14 or 15 years ago. It was that then. If you've not learned yet, having done it like eight or whatever <laughs> times, that that is what it is, maybe you should fucking look at <laughs> what happens and go, oh, yeah, it's that. Um, so it's my own idiocy to some degree. But um, but then at the same time, when I do the show, uh, and I've, you know, I've had very small audiences, but so far, every time I've done the show, the show itself has been rewarding. The people have been really mm-hmm. nice. I've not felt like I don't, I don't think it's. I, I still don't think it's the the 
standard I want it to be because it was a bit rushed. But I feel like they've enjoyed it and we've had a conversation and it's, yeah, it's the all of the anxiety or frustration I feel, it's okay when I do the show because you get mm-hmm. the, it's not, not landing. Not, it's not, not slanding. The, uh, <laughs> but um, say what you like about it, it's not that. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, so that's enough. Creatively, it's enough. Uh, financially and all the other stuff, it's not. Um, but that's, I should know that from experience and know mm-hmm. that, you know, if you have a show on at the Pleasance at a certain time and you have a producer and you have flyers and you have a director mm-hmm. and all those things, and also you're in that venue so people are going to go to it, it's all a bit false. You've just got to remember. I try to, like, for example, the, the good things that, have, the good in inverted commas things that come out of this is I got two gags in um, the Times, like, you know, jokes of the fringe. But that is absolutely not, I mean, I, I should maybe let it be a bit of a reflection of what I do and go, well, okay, I did write the gags and they like them. But, you know, I don't know if it's a terrible spoiler, but they didn't come to the show. You know, what yeah. happens is you, you know, and I have a PR person this time, which is another thing I pay for because I know on my own, I just vanish without a trace without him. Mm. But, you know, all these papers, they put out feelers for, you know, send them the jokes from your show. And then yeah. they'll, just to fill a space, because it's an easy article, they'll go through all the stuff they set and go, that one, that one, and that one. The mm. Dave's joke of the fringe, they do not go to every show and listen really intently for it. They yeah. have them sent to them. So... I understand that it's all bollocks, really, you know, and it's nice to have because it's another quote you can use to sell things. And that's really, really good. But and like the joke I said when I had a few years ago, a joke in the Telegraph thing um, was that was the biggest thing that happened in the run. And it happened before the show, before I got up there. So I could have essentially sent the joke to the Telegraph, stayed at home and saved the money, you know, um, and still had the same outcome. For someone who professes to be in comedy, I've only ever written three jokes in my entire life. I'm, I'm fully aware that's not an impressive statistic and I really need to up my game. My current gag productivity rate averages out one every 13.2 years of my life. <laughs> I tell you, this rate I'll be long dead before I've worked up enough to fill a joke book. Let's be honest. I'll be lucky to work up a pamphlet, really. Um, although, uh, actually, I should probably point out the fact I've only ever re- written three jokes. That's been this next hour. This stand-up show is going to be frighteningly sparse. Um, I thought one joke every 20 minutes, then you can just do your tax return or something. <laughs> I don't know. Um, well, having said that, despite having only written three jokes, one of them made it into the Daily Telegraph's 20 funniest one-liners from last year's Fringe. Oh, yeah. As I said, most promising student, living up to it. Um, was also quoted in BBC Radio 4's front row and made it into Comedy Central's 35 funniest jokes of last year. So on that basis, one out of three, pretty good strike rate. Really, I see myself as a 33.3% recurring success. My God, do I recur. <laughs> Some sort of skin condition, just keep coming back. Um, uh, this I mentioned in the Daily Telegraph that happened last year. This happened uh, the fortnight before I went up to Edinburgh and was easily the most successful moment in the whole run. So I could basically just written that joke, sent it to the Telegraph, stayed at home and saved the money. <laughs> of course, I can't tell you I've written three jokes and not share them with you. That would be churlish. So here we go. Joke number one. What do you call a video of two toads having sex? Frog's porn. There it is. <laughs> As I say, one out of three got in, so you know. So. To be fair, it doesn't quite work because toads aren't frogs, but the, the scansion's there. A joke number two. What is he discussing it down here? Believe me, there is nothing to discuss. <laughs> joke number two. Pray silence for joke number two. There's only three, so we're going to have to do this. Joke number two. What do you call it? Um, oh, I've forgotten it. <laughs> Uh, what do you call it if you contract HIV through the ears? 
Hearing aids, that's what that is. <laughs> I'm not condoning aids or something. That was a very strange... Incidentally, this is kind of concerning. What happened to these three people? They just... Oh, we were asking. Oh, really? They've gone missing? Well, you Mi said they should be filled. Right, yeah. Well, we just, we'll just CGI them in, it'll be fine. Or I can just lay there and... Uh, we'll cut this bit from the DVD. <laughs> and joke number three. Uh, Henry VIII's second wife would never rush into a room. She'd just amble in. Pfft, there it is. Pyro, pyro. I don't care that that joke is about a woman who died 483 years ago. In my mind, that's still cutting edge. Poor choice of wording. There. But I know, and I'm not afraid to say, look, it's not really real. It's not really. It's not because there'll be fantastically funny things that people will say that will not have been sent to these papers and will not get in. So I think sometimes people get a bit swept up in like this means that I'm fantastic because also you're dealing with like tortured egos because yeah. you're performers. Um, so but I like to go. No, it's yeah. not really. You know, it's, it's something else. And as long as I, I try and occasionally go, well, no, they still did look through loads of stuff and choose you. Um, yeah, still you. But yes, yeah, like I think I watched a, a, an interview. Um, it might have been one of the on the mic sort of, you know, oh, when yeah. they do the coverage of, of Edinburgh Fringe. Um, might have even been an interview with you in preparation for when I uh, um, interviewed you last time. Yeah, uh, it was. Yeah, if it, if it was you, you were being interviewed with two other comedians, I think. And yeah, and the subject of reviews came up and they were like, I put the two star reviews up on my flyer i just cover mm. them over visually so it's like <laughs> yeah, the independent yeah. two stars but then the next one is there and it just looks yeah. like the stars are going into one another and it's a visual yeah there trick. was a film wasn't there where they did that yeah I, yeah I, and he was like you know and yeah, yeah, yeah and i and i've pinched this idea but um you know there'll be a line that you can use even if it's in the contents the the context that the reviewer meant it you know yeah. um was you know a bit of an insult but i'll pick up the word um good yeah. wit <laughs> and actually yeah, yeah. He, he was about to say something hideous i'll yeah. use that though you know and yeah this person does not have it, good wit and then you yeah, go good wit good wit yeah <laughs> and it's like yeah. you know that that is what it's about when you're in this game isn't it it is like a game and it yeah. is you know you of course um but yeah it's uh it's an interesting one and you know, it's, it's funny from your blogs that you've written over the years when you've... I know it's a bugbear of yours, you know, if you're flyering yeah. for yourself when someone says, oh, you're a comedian, go on then, tell me a joke. Yeah. Particularly if you've got on your poster that, like, you know, best one-liners. Yeah. <laughs> <No. laughs> exactly, yeah. This says that you tell jokes. Why will you not tell me a joke? Yeah. yeah and I, and I'll be going, well, I don't really do jokes. And they're just completely confused because the sort of person who says that to you I, mean, I will say they're a bit of a dick, but they're not. Yeah. They're, they're so surface level that they don't even understand yeah. what comedy is. Really, mm. they just get and it's like come and see the show, and I'll tell some jokes. But I don't really yeah. want to do it now. I'm not. A, you know, I'm not that needy. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, sorry, yeah. But carry on. Sorry, I, I leapt in on you. I'm. I'm uh, yeah. That is. I, I imagine that is annoying. It's like that thing of, you know. Oh, you're a singer. Sing us a song, man. You know, you're at a yeah. drunken dinner party and you're the only sober one. And you're like, I don't say to you, you know, if you're, you're an yeah. accountant, do me some maths. You know, it's like, 
No, exactly. <laughs> you're a surgeon. I've got this. I've got this lump. Could you just yeah, take you, it off now? I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. It's the weird thing. Performers don't get that. Le- I'm not even saying like respect, really, but like that level of. It's because it's always a bit like it's a bit pretend, and no one really does it for a living. Mm-hmm. People say things to you that they would not say <laughs> to yeah. other people in other in other businesses. And you might, if you met a GP and you were out like for dinner, might you might ask something loosely. But yeah, it's. It's really like that, and um, it is frustrating. But um, yeah, but you go. To be honest, if I if I tried to give a fly to someone and that's the response to them, and they look confused, they were not going to enjoy my show anyway. So it's probably best that they don't come. (laughs) And it's like you said, sort of person that's saying, "Oh, go on then, tell us a joke," is probably that kind of the drunk crowd you said that you wouldn't want from doing a nine p.m. or later show. No. Because they just wouldn't connect, but they wouldn't get it. They, you yeah. know, it would be completely lost on them. Um, that's not to say you can't be going there and having a glass of wine and enjoying yeah, it. No. I'm not kind of being all anti-alcohol, but no. I just, you get the impression that kind of crowd are there for a good time, not to be kind of yeah. going, oh, right, I'm going to be finding humour in something that's going to make me also evaluate something in myself that's yes. quite serious as well. And... Yeah, I'm also, that it's not for everyone, is it? Well, no, and like we've up here, like Glenn and I ran our comedy club, mostly comedy, um, a few years, and that was on late. One year it started at eleven fifteen or twelve fifteen, you know, is in in the evening, and one year I think it started at one fifteen, which is utterly crazy. <laughs> but you're you're presenting a different thing then, um, so you're doing, and also at the fringe, people are more likely to be drunk by that time, so you understand that you don't, they don't, they need to not have to really focus their attention on something intricate but mm. um oh, what was i going to say uh in relation to uh oh what was it connecting with the material and stuff oh it's gone that's annoying um yeah I've lost my train of thought that's irritating that's tiredness for you fringe tiredness hmm. um oh, it's also just my personality um but oh, what was i going to say yeah i remember now as well it, the thing i was going to say was like also, I've found because I've done the free fringe as well here, and that's great, and you do get audiences. But actually, the point of having them paid for a ticket, even if it's like three quid, they have invested in what the idea is, mm-hmm. and therefore they're more inclined to be with you. So, if you have a tiny audience, something pulled them in at that point, and it's probably a connection because they've made a physical transaction, even if it's small. It actually helps with the psychological one as well because they've gone, well, okay, I'm going to watch a show about grief. Whereas if you are and you know in other parts of the fringe where you just you know you put a load of people in because it's free and then they might make a donation at the end and that's great and you do get more numbers but you do not know that they've invested in what the idea is that you're doing even if it's a sketch show or whatever it might Mm. be so um it really and they might be even if they're not pissed they might they're just more likely to not be focused on you and in comedy you need focus that's why i don't like the idea of like festival comedy by which i mean like big you know, like Glastonbury stuff, because, okay, if you know the name, you know their style, you'll connect with them. But people could easily wander in in, in, in or out of that tent and therefore they've not got your attention. And with comedy, it's not like music. You need, it's like storytelling. You need yeah. to connect with them. But yeah, that's the... And I, I think also having been one of these people that, I mean, more so with like family shows, you yeah. you look for the the free stuff, not even just the fringe. I think there was a comedy festival in um, in Neath in early in the summer, mm. and we went. It was raining. It was undercover. We kind of went. Oh, let's go see this this 
he's a magician slash comedian slash um I don't know what do they call them when we're, when they're doing sort of you know like hanging weights off their eyebrows or whatever what what was oh, the name um, of that uh, madness um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, f- I forget yeah but I know what you mean yeah there's a word isn't there yeah like sort of evil Knievel kind of stuff um yeah. I can't think of the word but anyway yeah. oh, we've heard it I'm sure there might be something within that yeah but when it's free I mean I don't do it myself because I I often get funding for workshops in which because I've got the funding I can offer places mm. for free and the amount yeah, of people yeah. that don't take you up on that as if there's mm. some oh it's free it must be shit yeah <laughs> I know. you know I know but um I've had that literally said to me by someone I fly when I was doing a free show well it can't be mm. any good because it's free and I mm. and, and I was like well that particular year Josh Widdicombe and James Acaster were doing a show in our same venue immediately mm. after us that it was free above a pub. Look where they are now. You know, mm. that is just utter ridiculousness. But yeah, exactly. People assume if it's free, it's not going to be good, which is bizarre, really. <laughs> but I, you know, I, I have seen, yeah, as I say, I've taken the kids to things like that. And I, I don't know if I have a more critical eye, mm. but for example, one of the jokes that this, you know, supposedly children's comedian said was uh oh he lay down because he was going to be lying on a you know a bed of nails whatever that kind of act is uh, yeah <clears throat> he said um i'm gonna ask you to come up here and, and and stand on me now but i'm not lying down so you can play kick the tramp remember that game that was great god so and i was just like oh uh, and, the, and the fact that a load of the adults there laughed, part of me was like, mm, gosh, is this sort of indicative mm. of the rest of the afternoon? And we didn't stay. <laughs> and and yeah. potentially that was a little bit unfair of me, but I felt I was basing that on the thing that I had just seen. <laughs> uh, this first song I wrote when I was about 16, uh, it's called Shit Happens, because uh, I was a very sweary child. Um, and uh, this song is in a waltz timing, so if you, uh, if you do feel the need to dance, please don't because it's awkward, it's just very, very awkward. You know, your white middle classes struggle to even clap on the offbeat, let's be honest. So, this is good shit happens, here we go. Well, I'm sitting here, sitting here, awaiting your call. Will you ever call when you told me last night? You told me to ring me today. You said it'll turn out alright. If it don't, well, okay. Cause shit happens every day. Well, it may sound funny, but I never wanted to be. But anything you see, but you came along. Turned on something in me And now I always want to be Right by your side I dream that you're heading my way I dream it'll turn out alright If it don't, well, okay Cause shit happens every day
I do think, yeah, that people kind of go to the stuff like that if it's free or if you know if you know donation only looking to find the faults you know yeah yeah definitely they can almost like the kind of troller that's scrolling through scrolling through twitter looking for the Mm. fight looking for the fault looking to cause the controversy you know um which is yeah which is annoying yeah it's like they're creating a suggestion that 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 you are after their judgment because I often think when I'm doing like shows, like um, like I assume that they're going to be like there to judge me, but then I go, no, hang on a minute, they just come see some entertainment. Wa- mm. That's just entirely my perception. You know, it's not really true. But I think, yeah, if you sometimes if you go to a free event, it's exactly like, well, of course, now it's my job to judge you. It's the same as giving a flyer and then saying, tell me a joke. They're judging mm. you because yeah, you've yeah. got to impress them. And I go, no, I haven't. You know, yeah. maybe <laughs> if I don't impress you in the show, if it just, you don't enjoy it fine mm. but i don't have to do that you know and, mm. and yeah mm. it definitely creates a mindset of that i think let's just say mm. you know you had a woman in on her own well we'll call her barbara um <laughs> barbara's been there streisand she was sober she watched yeah she watched your show really enjoyed it you carried on seeing shows sipping wine then throughout mm. the day as it goes into evening she is now drunkenly there at yeah. the bar Okay, but she was sober and with it and with you in your show. Uh, imagine she's there telling her friend drunkenly, Last Orders is called, and she's drunken, drunkenly telling Sandra, um, I saw this amazing show today. It was wonderful. It was called Good Grief. Yeah. What do you think she says? Well, <laughs> uh, she probably won't be able to, won't be able to like uh, be eloquent <laughs> at that point. But, um, well, I don't know, really. I, I guess just, uh, do you mean in the sense of, like, um, what she what she would take have taken? Well, yeah, what's the, what's the takeaway? What's the takeaway when it kind of comes down to it and, and her maybe slightly drunken, frazzled brain yeah, yeah. now, but she was kind of with you during it. What is the thing well, that's cause I, the still resonating? I, say, I say about the show that, you know, I, I can't stop your loved ones from dying, but I hope at the very least I can ease the landing. Uh, and by which I mean is just mm. like hopefully you, you take from the hour the fact that it's okay to laugh about these things. It's okay to have a complex, re- nuanced relationship with someone that you've lost, and that joking about them or finding them frustrating does not mean you don't care about them because you cared about them when they were mm. alive and found them frustrating. So that's okay when they're not here mm-hmm. as well. Um, mm. So yeah, I think that's the main. That just about a bit about love really, and about yeah, t- to have a laugh about reality and 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 loss and that it's okay to laugh about people that you've lost and so she might not be able to say that quite so clearly but that's that's what i hope (laughs) people take away from it so they at least and yeah and they go well i enjoyed that and you know it takes me on into my day and hopefully you know as i say it doesn't take those bad things away but it just helps you you know feel more comfortable with them
fantastic. <laughs> Great. Yeah, well, thank you for taking the time to chat with me no today and enjoy the rest of your day yeah, off. Yeah, I will. I'll try. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and yeah. sleep. Lots of washing. Some. Are you going to catch catch any other shows? Not, not or today. Are you going to just try and... Probably my next day off I will, because today's just about recovering mm. a bit, really, I think, rather than just yeah. rushing straight out yeah. to the fringe again, because you need a bit of a break from it. But yeah, just okay. yeah, catching up on The Simpsons, probably. <laughs> <laughs> okay well best of luck with the rest of your um rest of your shows you. and uh, yeah chat to you soon yeah speak soon <laughs> anyway, so i'd like to dedicate this song uh, to buddies of, of the internet if you like it thanks dave that'll do us here we go Something positive today. Well, I'm feeling bored. Not looking forward to another day of wishing countless hours away. You call me and you say you're doing fine. Seems you got over me in quick time. Lucky Land 
slots, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well there you have it. You could get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.